Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we are talking about empathy. So if you're parenting a highly sensitive child or teenager who just can't seem to slow their body and brain down enough when they are experiencing big emotions to the point where they are hitting, kicking, screaming, running away, yelling insults, cursing at you, uh, throwing their body on the floor, having daily meltdowns, then this video is for you because you might feel compelled to think that your sensitive child doesn't experience empathy or is not able to understand how their actions impact others. So if this is a thought that you're having today, we're gonna talk all about what's going on for your child and how you can fix it, okay? So I'm so excited for us to dive in. So when we think about where parents can get really stuck, where you're stuck in this problem, one of the things that we hear so often is that my kiddo just doesn't seem to understand how their actions impact other people, right? I just said it. If your kid is hitting, kicking, screaming siblings, right? Um, you, <laughs> uh, other kids at the playground, especially if, if they're at summer camp and it's a new situation, etc., then you can obviously feel not only worried, but exhausted, exhausted trying to keep your child from being unsafe in um, in a new situation or even just in regular everyday life in your own home. And when that happens as a parent, it wears on you, right? And so if it's been going on for years and maybe your child has grown out of the aggression phase and has moved into more of an internal or verbal aggression phase and you're dealing with this in adolescence, then, then keep listening because it's all related to the same concerns. So we're going to be talking about this because one of the things that we know related to parenting sensitive kids is there are several simple principles that need to be addressed that take a lot of hard work uh, to turn it around, but they all need to be addressed for highly sensitive kids in order to break out of that meltdown or shutdown cycle. Talking about dealing with this issue on a daily, multiple times day basis, even multiple times a week. If you're parenting a sensitive child or a teenager that is just constantly in a state of irritability to the point where you can't enjoy your day, they can't enjoy their day more days than not in the week, then that's a problem. That is not developmentally appropriate for any child, even in a pandemic, even in a pandemic. So I want to speak about that. Okay. So that's what we're getting, getting through to today because often the, the big question in your mind and or even maybe your, your spouse or co-parent's mind or your, um, you know, your, 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 your parents' mind, so grandparents or other caregivers, 
can ask the question, does my child care about other people's emotions? And so what happens when this happens, right? When, when you start to see your kiddo hit, kick, scream, etc., right? All this aggression or the verbal aggression, when this is happening, it can be quite instinctive to want to teach your child that that's just not what we do in this household or that's not safe. It's not okay. It's not okay to do that. And so what happens is you start to go straight to teaching about empathy, right? Straight to teaching about how the child, your child, can see other people's emotions. Notice how their actions impact others, right? Trying to teach cause and effect. And when your child is stuck in that big emotion, they are not available for learning in that moment. So it's really important for us to understand where you're stuck, why you're stuck, before we can help you get out of it, right? So let's cover it, okay? When you're a sensitive child, let's look at the, the, the four components to the trait, right? Deeply processing things, right? This, so this is processing information like how their day went, deeply processing how other people are interacting with them, deeply processing yesterday, okay? And all, all of their decision-making and considering this on a, on a deeper level. So let's use the, the, let's try not to use the word in the definition. What I mean by that is that your child is highly detail-oriented, consistently considering way more factors in life than you are if you're not highly sensitive, right? And so when that happens, and new situations or and frustrating situations happen, then your child can become easily overstimulated. And that's the second piece, right? So it's not that your child's being a jerk for the for shits and giggles, pardon my French, right? It's because your kid is seeing red. They are out of control in that moment, in their brain, in their bodies. And now, of course, this does not excuse their behavior, right? So don't go to the other end of the spectrum and say, oh, well, Megan, you know, my, st- my kid still needs to be safe. Okay, sure, I get they're overstimulated. Um, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't, they sh- you know, what, should, so I should just let them go ahead and, and, and hit people? That's not going to be helpful. No, who said that? <laughs> not me, right? Who said that? But when you get into an understanding of what to- being completely overwhelmed means, then you can clearly break out of it. You can help your child break out of it. And it's important for you to understand that when you're frustrated, you do things you don't mean or, or you regret, right? Or you say your deepest, darkest thoughts and then wish you hadn't, right? So when your child does the same thing, because your child is human as well, then it's really, really important to understand that your child has a skill to develop. It doesn't mean that they are a sociopath. It doesn't mean that they don't have feelings for other people. So why is this getting parents so tripped up? Let's talk about this, right? Because this is a, this is an issue that we see that's pervasive. All of our parents in some way, shape or form get stuck with this concern. And I say all of our parents, I mean, I, I, I call our clients that. <laughs> we work with parents directly in our coaching program for parents of sensitive kids. And then for uh, parents of, of sensitive teenagers, we work both with the parents and the teenager. So it's just language I use um, with my team and, and, and myself. <laughs> so um, when, I, when, I, when we break down this concern, you know, does my child care? This might be very simple for you to argue, yes, my child cares. Um, 
logically, right? You can come up with all kinds of reasons why your kiddo cares about other people. You can hear me talk about the science. <laughs> and we'll get to that today too, right? And, and, and understand the research that's been around for over 100 years, but more specifically and more, more thoroughly available to us over the last 20 or so years, you know, more than, more than the internet, right? And so let's look at um, longer than, than the internet's been around, but more thoroughly since the internet's been, um, since been, since been, been, been in business, right? So now that we have access to this information and the widespread uh, communities have access to new, new perspectives on parenting, then we can take that information and we can do something with it. Right, so let's talk about it. So, um, yes, sure, you can you can read all the books that say your child definitely cares about other people. You can hear all the research around the fact that highly sensitive people are more empathetic. And then, yet in the moment when your kid calls you a jerk or worse, or calls your um, your other child, a meanie or worse, right? I'm trying to keep, I already said one S-bomb. I'm going to try and keep it, um, keep it clean here. Then your automatic thought in that moment can go straight to taking it personally, straight to hearing or worrying about your other child receiving the, that language and, and dealing, needing to deal with that, right? Um, the whole concept that words can't break me doesn't uh, hold up when you look at the research around verbal abuse, right? So when we think about the importance around helping sensitive kids learn that their words have power, then we have to understand that in that moment you are taking that inf- you you are taking that personally. You are taking that that piece for your child when when they're using language that doesn't um, get their needs met effectively, is mean, is, is unkind, is unhelpful. When your child is using that language, then it's only human for you as a parent to want to change it, right? But it's really, really important that you don't move to the conclusion that your child doesn't have empathy. This is easy to do. So I'm gonna, we're, that's why we're talking about it today. And it's really easy to take on um, other people's opinions, right? That, that your child doesn't care about other people or um, that in that moment they're not caring about other people and so as a result they need to be taught to care about other people when they're, when they're overwhelmed or when they're angry, when they're upset. When your child's emotions are all consuming, they're seeing red. They're not able to see the forest for the trees, right? So how do you help your child do that in that moment? In that moment, you need to be focused on something else, okay? You can't be focused on teaching your kid in that moment. It will not work. You are banging your head against the wall, right? What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So when you start lecturing your child to, um, to say better words or to use more, um, more kind language or to keep their hands to themselves, Sooner or later, you're going to get tired. You probably already are, right? That's why you're, you're listening in here. And that exhaustion needs somewhere to go. Where does it go? It goes to blame if you haven't been able to manage your own emotions or you haven't learned these skills that we talk about, these skills of, of being able to 
to break out of their, your own pattern of not taking responsibility for your child's emotions and not taking responsibility for how your child is behaving. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't help your child develop new behaviors. That's not what I mean by taking responsibility. I mean owning your kid's behavior as if you did it. That's a completely different paradigm shift. I and mean, when we help our parents break out of that pattern, the clients that we work with start to feel not only free, but they see a much faster result for their kids because their kids are no longer bearing the weight of their parents' guilt and resentment, even though we don't want to say it, it's there, right? And dread, because for you as a parent, when you're frustrated with your child, your child knows that. That is not something that you can hide or stuff or pretend isn't there or put a lid on and deal with it later or leak it out to your spouse, right? Your kid knows why you're frustrated. They're highly sensitive. <laughs> they pick up on that stuff. They notice the subtleties, right? That's the fourth component of the personality trait. They're emotionally reactive. Number three, more empathetic. That's also number three. It's a two-part. It's a two-parter. And then the fourth component, subtleties, sensitive to them. Whoa, right? So when your child can read through the lines and, and read between the lines and, and see through, right through you, that's empathy. Okay, so if that's the case, right, then we really need to make sure that we're not imploring or, or convincing ourselves that our child is uncaring, unkind, not compassionate. And that's a hard thing to do when you see the aggression and, and um, negativity day in and day out, right? When your child is focused and even hyper-focused on that to the point where they're zeroed in, they've got tunnel vision on what's not working in their lives and how things are, are, are terrible and grumble, grumble, vent, vent is, the, is like their language. Then when your child's aggressive, then it's just icing on, on the cake, right? Like it's just one more thing that you have to help your kid deal with. And so for sensitive kids and parents of sensitive kids, it's, it's not just draining and exhausting. It's also multiple to-do lists to teach your child these skills. And so when you think about the, the patterns in your child or your teenager seeing red, it's also important to notice that if your child doesn't have those skills to manage their emotions, slow their body down, regulate themselves enough to hold their tongue or their hands to themselves, ask for what they need and then do it, right? Because your sensitive child probably has a couple of those in different scenarios, but not able to repeat it consistently. Otherwise, you wouldn't be following what we have to talk about, right? Eliminating daily meltdown cycle means that your child is in a daily meltdown cycle. So if your child is stuck in this cycle of dealing with this day in and day out, it's likely that your child's demonstrated a skill or two in that in that pattern, but not been able to demonstrate it consistently. And that is the reason why your child is stuck. One of them, right? And so when we think about this and, and, and when your child is, is missing that skill, it's really, really important that you notice that your child is out of control in those moments. And that feels traumatic. Okay, so I wanna look at the research around trauma. 
okay? So the definition of trauma is when your life or someone whom you depend on's life is threatened at any given time. If you have a life experience where your life or the life of someone whom you depend on is threatened and you fear death in those moments um, or significant bodily or emotionally, you know, emotional separation, bodily harm, emotional separation, right? So typical uh, definition of a trauma would be a car crash, right? Like a big one, not just a fender bender. Um, but for a child, a fender bender could be could be scary, obviously, right? Um, it, we experience fear in a fender bender as adults, um, along with ag aggravation and inconvenience and annoyance and maybe even anger, depending on who caused the fender bender, um, or maybe not depending on who caused the fender bender. If anger is is where you go when you're when when things don't happen the way you want them to, and um, and so. I'm digressing, but not really, right? So talking about how parents of sensitive kids need to manage their own emotions first, right? And so if, if, if that's an emotional experience you have often, then you know in those moments you're not in control, right? And so think about what it's like for a highly sensitive child to be out of control day in and day out over and over and over again on a regular basis not just for like a week or two, right? Beyond two weeks is a pattern in behavior. And so when you see that pattern beyond two weeks and you see that persist for months and years on end, that is months and years that your child has felt out of control in their own body. And when we look at the definition of trauma, unable to demonstrate or have faith in safety of one's life or the life of a loved one whom they depend on, right? So children who witness their parents in a life-threatening experience can experience the same or even more intense level of trauma. And as a trained trauma therapist, this is something that I've studied for uh, for over a decade and, and, and was the, the core of, of the base of my career. And so when, when we look at using trauma-informed um, research, right, research informed by the understanding of how trauma affects the brain, the body, and the family, and the family's interactions, then we can clearly see that your child who doesn't feel in their own body feels completely out of the moment, then they, they are experiencing a traumatic event. And those traumatic events, those meltdowns are traumatic not just for you, but also for your kid, right? And for your, if you're, if you're parenting another child, if you, have, if you have siblings in the mix, then it's traumatic there too, right? And I'm speaking not just from professional experience, but also personal experience. Uh, for those of you who are, who are just getting started following what we teach here at MTC, my sister's highly sensitive and I learned very quickly to hold my breath, hold my breath around intensity and just by nature of thinking about that from a physical standpoint, right? Um, my body learned that oxygen is deprived when emotion is intense, right? And so, um, you know, it took me years to figure that out, first of all, second of all, to, to then fix it, right? To then be able to feel like I could relax um, and, and rest and take me time and be, and feel safe in that. Um, I have to be go, go, go and, and type A uh, about life all the time. 
and that that is a side effect of feeling like you're not safe um, and then emotions can explode at any moment and you need to be ready and so this is impacting your whole family and when we look at how it's impacting your sensitive child emotional explosions happening on a daily basis or emotional implosions for teenagers happening on a daily basis that sense of being out of control is the same emotional and physiological impact as a violent trauma and I want to talk about this not from a place of speculation um, but from a place of understanding how sensitive children can turn it around right I mean you've been following us we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of this daily meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks and that's seemingly impossible for the general public if there wasn't a clear cause system and way to get out of it, right? Because typical perspective would be that this would need to take years for your child to grow out of it, um, years for you to be able to, to figure it out, right? Or, uh, you know, if you're listening to a medical professional, a pediatrician, for example, um, you know, maybe considering there's a biological component that needs to be medicated or considering that your child um, should just go to weekly appointments to figure it out on their own with an adult who doesn't see inside the house, right? And um, when that's the case, then of course, yes, yes, it will take years. Yes, absolutely. Um, because there's, there's a lot of factors that are not taken into play. And the first and foremost biggest factor is your relationship with your child. And we know from research for highly sensitive children, research that has been men, um, documented both in books and in, in psychological journals for uh, since the 90s. So how many years is that now? <laughs> 30 years. Um, that the relationship with the parent and the child is at the forefront of changing the dynamic for sensitive kids in particular. Now the research in terms of how children change their behavior and how that's more heavily impacted through parent, parents than through an outsider is, has been along for a lot longer than 30 years. But for sensitive children, that research has been around for 30 years. So we've, we've seen this um, play out for, for a really long time. And um, when we look at why that's important to, um, to be clear about, then it's really, really uh, imperative for you as a parent to understand how you can try all of the things and um, still stay stuck, right? And so when we look at this from, from an understanding and taking it from, from the perspective of, uh, of using research around trauma, then you can get a faster clarity. Um, but not only that, you can also know exactly what works and how to help your child out of it much faster because it's an experience of your child feeling like their life is in danger, but much different from most traditional definitions of trauma. Your child isn't actually in physical danger for some of those experiences. Now, I want to speak about this because we have some parents who are dealing with siblings who are maybe more medically vulnerable or who have a disability um, or who are younger, right? I mean, take our client Tony, for example, her child 
at four was running from across the room to punch the baby. That's a legitimate life-threatening experience. Um, our, our other client, Laura and Steve, where, um, where their five-year-old was pummeling their two-year-old. Um, and that's very, very serious, right? Blood, bloody lips involved, etc. And when we think about understanding that, that for that child, that is a traumatic event right, for both children, right? To be completely out of control to the point where you're threatening your relationship with your parent by impacting your relationship with your sibling, that's traumatic. Your child is aware of that. They understand in some way, shape, or form the impact of that, of their actions, because they're empathetic, right? However, they don't have the skills. And so that is a completely terrifying experience for your sensitive child. And then for sensitive teens, knowing that they're saying things that they shouldn't say or that they, they're not supposed to say or, or realizing and being able to put two and two together, that when they receive feedback from their peers that is, is um, you know, not kind and they witness other people get bullied, et cetera, right? And then they go ahead and say that kind of stuff to their parents, your sensitive teen knows that what they're saying is creating psychological damage. Is is it can be can be quite impactful to you or to siblings, right? So, regardless of age, your sensitive child, if you know for sure your kid is highly sensitive, then they are empathetic. Those two things go hand in hand. And then the the fact of the matter is not about teaching your child to be empathetic. They already implicitly biologically are more so than 80% of the population. So you're focusing on something that is redundant. And this is one of the many factors that needs to be turned around, right? So we think about being able to help your child be available to act on their empathy, to use that information for good in their life. That's where the gap is. Great news, we know how to fix that. <laughs> Let's talk about it, okay? So I wanna talk about this, but I, I really wanna make sure that we, we drill this home because this is something that a lot of parents will get tripped up on, especially when the professional or the other parents or the friends or your parents, if you're listening to them on how to parent, especially when the other people that you're listening to or the other other um, experts that you're listening to are not experts in the personality trait of highly sensitive people. Now, this is very, very important because when you're looking at the research around a typical non-highly sensitive child, the research for seeking outside support where your child can go to individual therapy, the research for um, talking to your child about what they can do better next time, the research about um, helping them see through um, punishments, all of that research demonstrates that your child who's not highly sensitive will fare well enough even if you use those strategies. So I just mentioned a particular word that's really important, right? Especially related to punishments. Your child will fare well enough even if you use those strategies. 
And what I mean by that is noticing that regardless of whether or not your child's highly sensitive, if your child is aggressive verbally or physically, that change needs to happen through you as the parent, whether they're highly sensitive or not, because you are their lifeline. So this is really important because I'm, you know, being a therapist connected to thousands of, of, of therapists who work with children who never talk to the parents. There's literally therapeutic models that say that the child is their own client and is the individual support system and the, the individual cause and solution to the child's needs. You don't need to talk to the parent at all. It's in the books. That research, that those philosophies, those therapy philosophies do not take into account the generally healthily, well-minded parent. Now, if the parent is abusive, neglectful on purpose, or um, engaging in substance abuse and dealing with mental illness themselves, severe mental illness, and therefore abusive and neglectful, then yeah, we need to limit the involvement of the parent in the child's well-being care, right? the child's trauma healing and the child's capacity to manage their own emotional health because the parent's incapable. But I'm not talking to incapable parents here. I'm talking to you. You're not incapable. So you can't follow a model that is built upon the premise of considering people to be ill and incapable and follow that model and expect yourself to solve the problem of showing your child that they are normal, they are not broken, they can care for themselves once they notice their own emotions and solve them. That has to happen through the relationship with you. And it can't just come through generalized and general and non-highly sensitive specific attachment parenting. It can't come from typical parent-child therapy like play therapy either, right? Because I'm not saying all child therapists exclude parents. That's a fallacy. That's not true. But what I am saying is that the understanding of the personality trait has to be at the forefront of the care that you choose to align yourself with, whether that's us here at MTC or not. That's, that's a, that has to be a mutual decision. So, um, we we might decide that we're not a good fit. That's fine. What I care most about for you listening in and, and hearing about what's going to end the meltdown cycle is noticing that your child being highly sensitive gives you a lens to understand them and help them expand their potential following a medical model, following a model of feeling like you have to pick one kid over the other is not going to help you support your children in noticing that differences exist 
and none of it's wrong, none of it's broken, and everyone in the family can thrive. And when you send a kid away to their individual therapy, you send the opposite message. So those two things can't be true at the same time, at the same level of priority. So when we think about being able to serve the, the, the relationship that you have with your child, you need to be part of that solution. You need to be at the forefront of that solution. And when that's relevant and you're trying to focus on, like I mentioned, to kind of circle back what we were speaking about earlier, when you're focused on worrying whether or not your child has empathy, empathy is fostered through relationship. Empathy is reinforced through relationship. And highly sensitive kids who, are start, who already struggle to build relationships because they're consumed by them have to deal with that extra hurdle when they try to change, when, when parents try to help them change their behavior through a relationship with somebody else rather than through an already established relationship, which is why the work that we do happens, can happen quite rapidly for, for parents of sensitive kids because you're eliminating the factor of the unknown human who's trying to teach. And for, for parents of teens, you have the dual focus. The teenager has the ability to, to work with a coach directly and then also um, notice that their parents are working and taking responsibility for their end of the, the street too, their side of the street too, right? So it's, it's a double uh, commitment that's being made um, that's age appropriate for a teenager. And so when we think about where parents can get stuck is thinking that, especially when parenting siblings, is in thinking that you need to triage. And so when you triage, your first focus is on saving the younger child, the child with more, um, maybe, maybe you have a child with a disability or a bigger um, mental health concern or um, maybe even a chronic illness or whatever um, is, is relevant for this circumstance. I didn't, I'm not trying to whatever away the needs. Um, Hopefully that wasn't taken dismissively. So when we're thinking about this and you're stuck in this position, you can feel pitted against one child to save the other. And again, this puts, puts the onus on your sensitive child to solve the problem when it is a family dynamic issue. And who helps f- change family dynamic issues? The parents. The parents hold the authority for that. And um, it can't be done. It can't be done through fostering shame. Um, You know, don't you see what you're doing to your sibling? See, you made him cry. He doesn't want to play with you anymore, etc. Or can't you notice that he's hurt? He, you know, you need to be gentle with him. He's younger than you or he has XYZ um, need. And, and... Or, you know, don't you notice that what you say hurts to me, right? Those kind, that, that kind of language increases shame and sensitive kids are already sensitive to shame, more prone to shame without these skills. And so that keeps them stuck. Shame is at the bottom of the totem pole of emotional health. And shame is what breeds isolation. And shame is what breeds depression as a result, because isolation is a symbol of de- is a, a, a symptom of depression and anxiety, 
And so when we think about how to change those mental health needs and those emotional needs for sensitive kids, it's really, really important to understand where the threshold is, right? Which is why when we work with parents, we have to have a conversation because sometimes children do need therapy in conjunction with parent support. And other times uh, kiddos have a deeper need that isn't uh, just a personality issue. Um, a concern with your child's personality, temperament, and needing to parent a certain and different way, um, which is why we have those conversations. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But in terms of what's important for you to break out of, it's, it's very clear. There are four principles in managing those big emotions for your sensitive child. And there are four principles of emotional safety that need to be created and fostered for, an, for the entire family. This can't be just a one person learning all the skills. This can't just be your sensitive child learning all of the skills. It has to be coming from you as a parent teaching everybody. Now, obviously, your sensitive child uh, can be at the helm of that change with you in terms of needing to prioritize your sensitive child. But you can't prioritize your sensitive child over other kids in the family or on the flip side, when you're honing in on your child being needing to be more empathetic and trying to lecture, that actually puts them as the scapegoat, right? It puts them on the bottom rung of the family and that doesn't work either. So the four pieces that you need to focus on, right? You have to focus on your own emotions, your own emotional state and your own mindset. Those are two different things, how you see the world, how you think of what's possible for your family, how you think about what's possible for your child, how you think about what's possible for your whole life, and what you deserve in life and what's, what you're capable of. All of that takes, is taken into account when we shift you out of the, the mindset of dealing with the daily meltdowns because that survival of needing to just go day by day can hold you in that pattern. So you gotta break that out of that pattern. The next thing that you need to be able to do is to act playfully and communicate in a way that is engaging for children to learn. Children learn through play. And when we are not playful as parents, which again, if you're tired and exhausted, then you do need support to break out of that pattern. That is super, super hard to do when you're fried, right? Then when you're doing that, you, your child won't be able to learn when you're fried, right? And so you got to break out of that. And you need to do that systematically in a way that decreases the needs your child is sharing with you, decreases the intensity of their behavior so that you can be playful, right? So that these, some, these, some of these things need to happen in a specific order in order to see consistent and effective results. And then um, the third thing that you need to be able to do is continuously give feedback to your child. Now, this is true even if your child doesn't receive feedback well, right? Now, that feedback needs to be specific and strategic and, um, and, and, and out of the scope of, the, of this particular video and training here because um, we've been going for a while. But when you think about being able to support your child in changing their behavior, that needs to be done in an effective way. You need to be able to uh, avoid lecturing, avoid just talking about taking deep breaths. And then lastly, um, we need to focus on eliminating shame, right? That shame-based parenting cannot be in your parenting toolbox as an option. And that needs some retraining potentially for you as a parent. You might know that it's not now re relevant 
um, but it might be really hard to, to manage. And when you take those tools out of your toolbox, that can create a pretty significant vacuum. And we need to be able to fill that vacuum strategically. And so in order to support you in understanding what would help you first and foremost, and then how to break you out of this pattern systematically, it's really important for us to be able to have a conversation about this because when you're parenting a sensitive child or a sensitive teen, we need to know how your child is uh, responding to stress, how you are responding to stress, how your child is, is managing their big emotions, what seeing red looks like for your sensitive child or teen. And it's really, really important that we have a conversation about that because it is clear that some children need extra support and need a higher level of care than what we can provide. And that's why we have trained professionals to make that assessment on the, converse, on the call. On that call, if you book a call with our team, we go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk for parents of eighth graders and under. For parents of high schoolers, go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk. And either of those calls will have a conversation with you about where your child is stuck why you're in this loop. We'll, have a, we'll get you the clarity on that. And when you're in that loop and you understand how to break out of it, because we'll teach you exactly what you need to do, what your next steps are, and whether or not working with us is part of that plan, we'll have that conversation on that conversation. We can get you started right away. And knowing that and how to break out of that pattern is super important for us to assess, right? Because we need to be able to, to, um, to, to ensure that we can support you in making in making that decision and um, and and knowing that that we are the ones who can help you get out of it right and so that's that's really critical so if you're here and you know that you're ready to break out of this pattern you've been throwing things at the wall to see what sticks you've tried lecturing you've tried teaching your child how to be kind you've told your child that they need to hold their tongue or keep their hands to themselves umpteenth time and, and again and you're done trying to keep your child from hurting your other child, whether that be verbally or physically, day in and day out, then I encourage you to book a call because nobody was put on this earth to be miserable. And that includes you. You were not put on this earth to be miserable. And it is misery watching your child suffer, watching multiple children suffer and feeling like you have to pick between the two to see which one is going to fare well in that circumstance in that day right? That's exhausting. It's draining. It's also really freaking sad, right? So let's break you out of that pattern. We're happy to have that conversation with you and help you notice how to break out of it, whether or not we're a fit to do that. And we can do that very quickly if we are a fit. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you're ready to join a community of parents focused on eliminating the daily meltdown cycle and want more support, be sure to join our free Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja, where we provide free video trainings to parents just like you. You can find that in the search bar of Facebook or you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash parenting highly sensitive child. Thank you and have a wonderful day.